I want to talk to you today out of Philippians chapter 4. And I know you just sat down. I waited for that to just say my scripture. We believe in what Luke 2.52 says, that Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature, meaning he grew physically. So we're going to get a workout in today in church. Philippians chapter 4. The Apostle Paul is, is writing in a really difficult situation. He is actually now in this moment as he's writing this, he is in prison being charged for, for the namesake of Jesus, for preaching the gospel. And I want to read to you what he writes in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 7 today. We're going to dive into this and a little bit more. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Another translation says, be anxious for nothing. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Rejoice in the Lord sometimes. Rejoice in the Lord when times are just good. Rejoice in the Lord when, when you're completely desperate. Not even just that. It's, it's rejoice in the Lord always. And then Paul says it again, and I say it again. Rejoice. And then he says this statement in verse 6 that really just irks me. Don't be anxious about anything. That's what I want to talk a little bit about today. I want to preach to you from the title, When You've Had Enough. You've Had Enough. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for today. I thank you, God, for who you are and your presence in this room. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that your presence is falling on your people, saturating our hearts. Lord, I pray today that our hearts are ready to receive your word. We want to be transformed and renewed. We don't want to leave out of here the same way that we walked in. We want to experience your presence. We want to experience your goodness and your faithfulness and your favor and blessing. But God, above anything, we just want to experience you. We want to grow closer to you. We want to take that next step in our relationship with you, Jesus. We didn't come to just come to church. God, we came to encounter and we came to an experience of your presence. So speak to us. Let us hear your voice today. I pray today, God, that it would be more of you and less of me. Lord, that they would not hear my voice, but they would hear you, Jesus, calling out to them, speaking to them in the very situation and place that they're finding themselves in their life. Lord, that you would just speak to us in those hidden places. Move in us today. Change us today. In your mighty name we pray. 
Everyone said amen. Amen. Give someone a hug before you take a seat. If you're new, um, I'm that kind of preacher. You will tell your neighbor something at some point. You're going to hug a neighbor. You're going to do something. I'm your tell your neighbor kind of guy. Have you ever had a time, though, where you just felt like you've had enough? Like, I've had it. Like, you just sick and tired of being sick and tired. Anybody ever felt that way? Am I just by myself here today? Anybody ever felt like you've just had enough? Like, like I've had enough about the worry about the future. I've had enough of all this financial stress. Anybody ever felt that way? I've had enough of, of all these health issues and decisions to make. I've had enough of trying to figure out all my decisions for my kids and their future and their safety and my marriage and my job and, and my schedule and all this stuff. It's just too much. Had enough. I have found myself saying this in every one of these situations in my life. And I've learned that I have to know what to hate. Somebody's like, well, Pastor Nathaniel, we, we aren't supposed to hate. We're supposed to love. And although I believe that, I will tell you that hate is the most powerful motivation to change. Somebody's like, well, what do you mean by that? Let me explain. Until you hate the feeling of being late to work, you will always find yourself being miserable walking into work or that meeting or that gathering or in even enjoying what you do as a career. Until you hate the way that your marriage is right now, you will stay miserable in your relationship, nothing changing, nothing growing, nothing getting better. Until you hate the way you feel physically when your clothes don't fit and you feel all bloated all the time and you stay miserable. Until you hate that feeling, nothing will change. Until you hate the feeling of not feeling good enough or not feeling qualified, not feeling like you're good enough for anybody, you will always remain in the pit of never enough. Until you hate the feeling of being depressed or overwhelmed with anxiety, you will remain in a dark, lonely place of isolation. Hate is the most powerful motivation to change. And so today, I want to I speak to those of you who are feeling anxious we, we live in the day, in the age of anxiety. It's all around us. You can't run from it. And we are being trained in a world, dare I even just say, some of maybe even just in this nation, that the only way to succeed, the only way to find fulfillment is in life is to fill your schedule so full of all the things with this, this surface level feeling that it's fulfillment. That if we can get our schedule so full, we will have fulfillment. That if we can do all this stuff, we will feel satisfied, but we really don't even have time to even think. 
Just because your schedule's full doesn't mean your heart is. So when I read what Paul is saying in Philippians, he says, be anxious for nothing. I got to thinking about that. I'm like, is that even possible? Like in our world today and everything that we're, we're going through in, in our lives, in our personal lives, as parents, as people, as, as college students, as, as, as seniors, like whatever, is that even possible? If you, if you study the different generations that are in the world today and understanding a little bit more about every generation, as, as I was kind of looking into this, I kind of found that that the statistics show that Gen Z, which is typically like your, your high school, young college age uh, generation, that the statistics are showing that they are dealing with more stress than any other generation ever has. That there is more stress that they're facing, significant amount of stress because of the, the education that they're getting. They're so worried about their future. They're so worried about education at all. Like, do I go to college or do I not go to college? Because is college actually educating me or is it indoctrinating me? Like, like, like they don't know what to do. What, what they're hearing all online, what they're hearing in the world, like, I don't know what to do about education. Do I go or do I not? What do I do with my future? What about the pressure of the world that I got to be something and do something? And yet I, I feel so connected, but yet so disconnected at the same time. We have more connection in our world today than we ever have had in the history of man, but yet so many feel so much more alone than they've ever felt. I could make a phone call right now to a friend in Australia, and in two seconds, he can pick up the phone 17 hours different, but yet I can still feel so alone and the stress. And I'll say this, it's not Gen Z that's the only one stressing, but adults, kids, like, as adults, we, we all stress. We all deal with anxiety, like I, I, the anxiety of keeping your job, the anxiety of paying all these dang bills, and I feel like there's a bill for everything. Like, it just keeps coming in. There's the stress of protecting your kids, to, to, to teach them, to train them, to protect them, what they should and should not hear. Do I, do I tell them this now, and, and, and am I robbing them of their innocence by me telling them too soon, or am I robbing them of their innocence by not telling them and somebody else telling them? Like, like, it's this pressure like to, to save your marriage and, and to go through, I'm, I'm going through all this and I don't know what to do. It's this pressure and this stress. So the question is, is it even possible to be anxious for nothing? I want to show you a prophet from the Old Testament who struggled with anxiety. And I feel that many of us can relate to him in this, this Old Testament prophet. His name is Elijah. Elijah loved God. He served God faithfully. He, he saw God do some amazing, amazing things, and yet he still struggled massively with anxiety. A little bit about Elijah is he, in, in part of his life, I won't tell you everything, but in part of his life, he confronted King Ahab, who was an evil king, and he prophesied, that there would be a drought. Well, King Ahab did not like that. And it was because of King Ahab's sin that this was going to come into, into pass. And so King Ahab gets extremely upset. 
He began to pursue Elijah. He wanted to kill him. He sent out his armies to find him. Like, like he, he is, he's now Elijah is on the run, but he's doing God's work. He's hiding, but and God feeds him bread and meat from a raven. Like, like this crazy stuff that begins to happen. He's raising people from the dead, like miracle after miracle. He even stood down 850 false prophets. He called down fire from heaven on a sacrifice that he drenched water with in a drought. And he was mocking these false prophets like, y'all dancing and doing all this. I'm going to pour water and watch God still consume it in a drought. And then he killed all those false prophets because fire came down and consumed the sacrifice. And he killed all the other false prophets. Miracle after miracle after miracle happened. And then one day, this grumpy woman changed everything. The king's wife, Jezebel, was mad about the prophets. He was mad at, she was mad at the king. He couldn't do it. And she said, if the king can't do it, then I surely will kill you. I'm going to take your life. Think about this. He stood down. 850 men. Like these prophets. And yet his life completely spirals over one woman. Elijah experienced Non-stop protection. He experienced non-stop provision. He experienced non-stop the presence and the power of God. And then one really grumpy woman makes a threat and he falls apart. How can you go from that extreme to the other? What I want to show us today, something very practical, but I want to show you in 1 Kings that the four mistakes that Elijah made that I believe some of you be making these same mistakes. And after today, I want, I want you to, to identify these so that way you can confront them. I know I face them and I can bet you probably have too. Let's read a little bit of the story. First Kings chapter 19. We're just going to read verses three through five. It says this, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. So this has just happened with Jezebel. He spirals out of control. He goes from miracle, 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 standing down the prophets, like, like all this stuff, fire coming from heaven. And then the next moment you read, he's on the run. Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush. He sat down under it and he prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. Familiar? He said, take my life. I am no better than my ancestor. See, Elijah made the same common mistakes that we often make, and I know I have, and the very first mistake that he made was he ran himself into the ground. We often do that. We run ourselves into the ground. If you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. We run ourselves into the ground. Elijah was afraid. He ran for his life. He, like, he, honestly, geographically, he couldn't run any further. Like, if you were to see from where he was to where he ran and you looked at it geographically, he was limited. He ran about 100 miles, ran so far, like, like Speedy Gonzalez, just gone, and then he gets to a place of water where he physically can't even run anymore. And I got to tell you, is it, is it cool if I'm real today? Y'all know I'm always real anyway. I don't even know why I asked. I found myself 
in this very same kind of place mentally a while back. I wasn't enjoying life. I wasn't happy. Life was, was fine. There was nothing necessarily bad going on. Like it, it wasn't that life was bad, but I just, I just didn't feel it. You ever, you ever been like that? Like nothing was necessarily bad happening, but as, as I started to review my life and, and what I was doing and everything that was going on, I was starting to realize I was running myself into the ground. I was trying to do so many things that I felt about that thing. And what I'm about to say is, it's not to complain, it's not even to brag, but it was my reality. These were the things that was going on in my life when I started to kind of realize something is not right here. So I, I, was, I was leading a church, I was, I'm trying, like this church, I was, I'm leading the church, this was happening literally last year, I, I'm leading it, I'm trying to do all these things, I'm trying to preach every week, and I'm also, at the same time, running the day-to-day -day operations. I'm, 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 I'm preaching almost each weekend. I'm trying to figure this out while preparing for the next three months and what we're gonna be preaching. I'm trying to figure out all the sermon series. And then I traveled in this time frame to about two or three different events. I performed about two funerals during that time. All this is going on around the same time. I'm trying to raise three kids at the time, these heathens. Be a good father. I'm trying to be a good husband trying to be there for my family. I'm, I'm dealing with a report from that my mom is sick and cancer is spreading. I'm walking through some issues in some of our family, and I'm walking through some issues that's going on in my life and, and things that are happening to, to friends and all these things. And in that, all during that time, we had our fourth child, trying to figure all that out. Now I feel like a circus act. I'm, I'm doing a house renovation at all time. All this time, I decided to do a house renovation and redo some stuff while also overseeing some construction projects here at the church that we're trying to redo with offices and kids areas and in the front of the building and all. I'm trying to redo all this. Also, while trying to get healthy and work out, y'all hear me talk about it all the time because I need accountability. <laughs> trying to shed some pounds. I'm waking up every day around 5, 5.30 in the morning. Got to get my kids up, get them ready for bed or get them ready for school, bake their lunches get them out the door, drive them 30 minutes to school, then drive the other one 30 minutes to another one, and then drive another 10 minutes to work. All this was going on in about a 60 to 90 day window, trying to figure out all this. What I found was I was trying to do too much too long. And it was killing me. And some of you, you probably can relate. Or maybe you don't realize it, but you're doing too much, and you've been doing it for way too long. Elijah ran himself into the ground. And we often can do the same, not realizing that we're trying to do too much, thinking that, again, a full schedule is a full heart, when that doesn't mean that, not even by the closest bit. The second thing that we can typically do, and the mistake that Elijah made, is we often shut people out. That's the second thing. I want you to write that down. We shut people out. You, you read in, in, in 1 Kings 19 where it says that he left his servant. Like this was, this was like his greatest, most loyal companion, his, his best friend. He, he, he goes through all this. He runs, and then he says, stay here, and he gets alone, and he shut everybody out. You see, personally... I can do this often. My, with my personality, 
and I can do this even especially as, as a pastor, I can internalize all the problems. Because in my mind, and, and I know a lot of you are like me, I just, I just internalize it, I'm gonna just carry this alone. Come on, am I by myself today? Like nobody understands. I can't just tell everybody everything. Like it don't, they won't make sense. And I, I've shut people out at times when I needed them the most. Thinking that if I were to shut them out, that I could solve the problem, but really I never was able to move forward until I leaned into the ones that were closest to me. I thought I could figure it out. I thought like, well, if I just don't say anything to anybody, they won't know that anything's going on and they won't, see, they won't have to worry about me. I got all these pressures and you know what? I don't, I don't need to worry my wife about that. I don't need to worry my kids about that. I don't need to worry my friends or the church about that. I'm just gonna deal with it on my own. I'm gonna internalize it. Nobody's gonna understand anyway. I'm just gonna deal with it. And that was the dumbest decision I could have made. And I found myself until I leaned in to those who were closest to me, which you need just a few. If you even look at Jesus, Jesus had one and then he had three. He had the 12, but he had the three. Peter, James, and John. The only three that actually went into him in his most darkest moment into the Garden of Gethsemane before he was about to be taken to be crucified, he took his three. And guess what? They still felt him. It goes to show that not anybody you are going to be in a relationship that's going to be perfect. And I'll tell you this, this isn't even in my notes, but this is for someone today. Stop looking for that one person to be everything that you need because they never will be. Wow. Not even your spouse. Oh, that, that just offended somebody. Your spouse is not everything that you need. That sounds really romantic. Baby, you're everything I ever needed. No, she ain't. No, he ain't. Because not one person can be all fulfillment to you. It can't. You, you, you need multiple people in your life. I'm not saying a lot, but you need a few. I just say do what Jesus did. Get the three. Get the three people. And let me tell you, they're not going to be perfect. They're going to be rough around the edges. But let me tell you, find those that will be with you come hell or high water. Stop shutting them out and bring them in. And this is why we believe that small groups are so important. So that way when you hit a wall and hopefully even before you ever hit a wall, they can come up to you, your loyal companions, the ones that you trust, and they can be like, hey, bro, like, you're doing too much. Bro, are, are you all right? You're not acting yourself. You, you, you're, you're doing some other things that you don't normally do. Like, hey, let's talk about this. Where are you at right now? What are you doing right now? Where are you at physically? Where are you at mentally? Like, you need that friend that can call you at any hour and say, what are you doing? I just felt impressed on my heart. I think God was laying it on me. I'm just calling you. What are you doing right now? Like, tell me, what are you physically doing right now? Where are you? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm here. And yeah, get out. You need friends that will get all up in your grill and tell you like it is. You don't want the friends that agree with you on everything. The ones that agree with you on everything want you to fail because they don't want you to be better than them. You need the ones that will get in your face and be like, what are you thinking? You think that's smart? You dumb. Get your head out of your rear end. Like you need some friends that got some grit with you. Friction. That's why the scripture says iron sharpens iron. Not iron in a feather. I don't want a feather friend. One that's wishy-washy and can move with the wind. I want one that's stable. One that will be there. One that if I hit, it ain't moving. 
I can cause friction with it. Life is better together. And can I tell you that we are incomplete without the rest of the body of Christ? Paul talks about that. The scripture talks about that. We are incomplete, that we are the body of Christ, and a finger cannot exist without the arm. A leg cannot exist without the heart. We are the body of Christ. We are better together. And you see, Elijah, he shut his best friend out, and it only made things worse. If you continue to read, you'll see what else he said. The third thing that we can often do is we focus on the negative. I think too often we, we do this, and Elijah did this. He, he had had enough, and he began to cry out, I'm no better than my ancestors. Nobody understands. Got all this going on. Lord, just kill me in my life. This is the very same thing that we do often. We, we focus on the negative. Life's not going to get any better. Nothing's ever going to change. I'm never going to get into college. You know, like struggling with that right now. You start to have the feeling, I'm a terrible mom. I'm a terrible dad. I'm never there. I'm struggling. I'm always going to struggle financially. I'm tired of my job. I'm tired of all these dang people. I've had enough. See, I've had moments in my life where I've done this. And, and, and I've got all this stuff to do and I'm never going to get it all done. And all these people are counting on me. And let me tell you, if all we ever do is focus on the negative, then the simple practical thing is how will we ever see the positive? Like, let's just think about it for a moment. Like, like in the world of fitness and trying to get healthy and trying to eat good, if I constantly say, don't eat the donut, don't eat the donut, don't eat the donut, don't eat the donut, don't eat the Nutella and banana, don't eat the Nutella. Thank you, Jesus, sanctified, holy savior of the world. That is the Holy Spirit is the Nutella. Thank you, Jesus. That is my, ooh, that's my crypt tonight. Oh, Lord Jesus. Don't eat the Nutella. Don't eat the Nutella. Don't eat the ice cream. Don't eat the ice cream. Come on, Ben and Jerry's, the, the chocolate brownie fudge swirl. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Just like, don't eat it. Don't eat it. Don't eat it. I'm going to eat it. If I'm constantly saying, don't do, don't do, don't do, don't do, the negative, the negative, the negative, what are you going to do? You're going to do the negative. We're training our brain to say, I'm not hurt, I'm not hurt, and our arms cut off, and we're like, uh, I'm not hurt. That actually can mess you up mentally. I'll even say this. Sometimes, you know, I believe, I believe like, you know, like believing by faith, speaking things into existence, I believe all that scripture talks about that. But I think sometimes, I think we've even been raised in a world and sometimes in a generation where, where it's like, you know, claim it and name it kind of thing. But, but it's to a point where it's like, you got a cold and it's like, I will not say I have a cold. No, your brain's telling you, you're sick. But you don't say, I'm not sick in the name of Jesus. You say, no, I feel bad, but Lord, you are my healer. That's different. That's different. I may feel sick in my body, but God, I know you are the ultimate physician and you bore those 39 stripes on your back for my healing in the name of Jesus. I will be healed. That's different. So stop focusing on the negative. Fourth thing that we see that Elijah did we can often also do is we forget God. Forget God. Every step of the way, every moment, every situation, God had been present with Elijah. Every step of the way, God had provided, God had protected Elijah, and even though all, all of that even though God had been there through every single moment, Elijah 
forgets in his anxiety where God was. He forgot that God has been with him. Like, let's just even break this down. Elijah should have been comforted even in his own name. Like, if you were to break down his name, his name Elijah, if you were to break down his name in the understanding and definition of what his name means, his name means, okay, so you have E-L for E-L-I-J-A-H. You have E-L. That word E-L is short for Elohim, which means God or my God. The, the, the I, E-L-I, means I or mine. Are you seeing it on the screen behind me? Is it stacking or is it all there? They gave it away. And then J-A-H means Yahweh. So literally his name means my God is Yahweh. See, here's one thing that we do in the English translation. In the English translation, we give the word Yahweh, which just represents just like God in itself, we give it vowels, but it doesn't have vowels. It's not supposed to have them. It's actually more of a, of a yeah, yeah. It is, it is a, a breath. It is, it is exuberated out of our lungs, this, this utterance of breath of who God is, his name literally means my God is Yahweh. My God is my breath. My God is my source. My God is my sustainer. He is my supplier. He is my strength. So, when you're anxious and you can't breathe, when you find yourself in shortness of breath, we must remember that our God is Yahweh. Our God, he is my breath, he is my strength, he is my source, he is my sustainer, he is my supplier, he is my provider, he is what I need in every circumstance, he is with me through the end, he is the beginning and the end, he is the first and the last, he is the alpha and the omega, he is the same yesterday, today and forever, he is a God who does not change, he is a God who will be with me through all thick and thin, he is a God that will never leave me or forsake me, he is a God that is faithful and if he said it in his word, he will not return void on what he said. His promises are yes and amen. Oh, come on, somebody. My God is my Yahweh. My God is my source. He is my sustainer. He is our breath. Come on, why don't we take the next seven seconds and just offer our breath to him and say, God, you are faithful. God, you are worthy. Give him a shout of praise today. You are Yahweh. You are my breath. And I want to point something out. You see, why, why, why Elijah was falling apart, God didn't rebuke him. He didn't say, oh, ye of little faith. That's not, is that what he did? No, that's not what he did. God met Elijah in his need. Like, well, where is that? Okay, well, if we continue to read 1 Kings 19, 11 and 12. As the Lord said to Elijah, go out, Stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. How many would love to hear God speak to you and say, go over there, I'm about to come through. Can I tell you today, God is saying where you need to be, go over there, because I'm about to come through. That situation that you need him to come through on, guess what? He says, I'm about to come through. But I want you to see how he's going to come through. 
because a lot of times we can mistake how God often moves. He moves in a lot of ways. The Bible says God works in mysteries and wonders. We can't put our finger on God because if we could, he wouldn't be God. And that's the thing the world tries to do. They try to put their finger on, well, if I can box God to say he is this, let me tell you, if you can do that, your God is this big. But I believe my God is a whole lot bigger than that. A God that I can't even fathom, a God that I don't even understand because my scripture that I read says his ways are higher than my ways, his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. His ways are above the heavens. But I want you to see what happened. It says, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. It says, then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. The Lord was not in the wind. Okay, after the wind, there was an earthquake. The Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came fire. The Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came gentle whisper. So, so the wind came, blew everywhere. The Lord was not in the wind. The earthquake came and shook everything. It says the Lord was not in the earthquake. The fire fell down and but it says it was not in the fire. Earth, wind, fire. I'm not talking about a song. God was not in any of it. I want you to notice God wasn't in the remarkable. He wasn't. In, in this time, God was... He was in the ordinary. God was in whisper. Can I tell you that when we are overwhelmed by stress, when we are overcome by anxiety, why? The question I have is why does God seem so quiet sometimes? Why, why doesn't he speak to us in the spectacular and in powerful ways where he just shakes the earth and he shakes the bed and wind blows through and fire consumes? Why doesn't he always do that? I want to experience him. I want to be able to trust him. I want to know him. So why doesn't he do it that way? Why does God whisper? He whispers because he's always close. I'm going to say it again because I don't think some of you understood that. Our God whispers because he is always close. He don't have to shout because the devil is the one who shouts lies. He wants to shout the lies at you. He wants to shout and shout. And what happens when he's shouting lies is God is whispering. He's whispering his truth because he's trying to draw you close to his voice. It says, my sheep know my voice. I want to tell you today, he is with you. He is here. And the Bible says that he will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Are you brokenhearted today? Guess what? The Bible says that he is close to the brokenhearted. Are you overwhelmed with stress? Are you overwhelmed with anxiety? Are you overwhelmed with the worries of the world? Guess what? He saves those who are crushed in spirit. Do you feel struck down? Guess what? My scripture says you will not be abandoned. And here's something that I've noticed. We can be moved and still not be changed. Oh, this is going to preach for a second. We, we, we can be moved. Like, like, like music 
and worship and song. It can move you. I, I, I mean, I understand this because I, I'm a musician. I love music. I'm very picky with our team. The pastor Jerry will tell you, we talk all the time. And I'm like, I didn't like that. They didn't play that right. Their voice was not on key. Waves was not helping them none. Those that understand music, you don't know what I'm talking about. So I understand that we could be moved by music. We could be moved by worship. We were created for worship, but I can be moved but still not be changed. Only God can change. Only God can change. And I'll tell you, a preacher can say the right words. A pastor can get up here and, and, and string together the best sentences and wordsmith a sermon and put it all in the right placement and point to the right scripture and we can walk out of here and be moved. But if you don't let God change you, it will mean nothing what was said. That movement will mean nothing without change. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be just moved. I want to be changed. I want to be born again. I want to be set free. I want things broken off of me. I want a new generation of blessing. I want a new generation of uh, favor on my life. We don't need to be moved. We need lasting change. That's what's need to happen in our lives. And let me tell you, if you've had enough, if you found yourself in this place where you're just saying, I've had enough. You're tired of the things that are dragging you down. I want, I want all of us just to stand across this room today. All of us to stand on our feet today. Help me close this out. Y'all stand, I'll, I'll finish quicker. If you find yourself in a place today, you say, I'm, I'm just I'm sick and tired. Making mistake after mistake, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of focusing on the negative all the time. I'm tired of shutting all these people out because I feel like I can do it on my own and I'm just tired. I can't do it on my own. I'm tired of running myself in the ground. I've got a full schedule, but not a full heart. I don't know what to do anymore. I'm doing all these things, but it's not amounting to nothing. I'm just tired. I've had enough. That I want to do something today. I want you to do something today. Because this is what I had to do myself. And that was, I had to get out of this, out of my seat and out of this, into this aisleway. And I had to make myself right before and kneel before the altar of God. I didn't want to just be moved. I said, God, I need you to change me. Because if I'm moved, guess what? I'll be moved again. But when I'm changed and I'm really changed by God, you can't tell me nothing different. You can't show me nothing different. When God touches you, it does something in you. It will give lasting change. No person can say the right word, but God can whisper the right word, and it will change you from the inside out. And so we're going to sing this amazing song. And if you're here today, say, I've had enough. I need God to change me. I need something to shift in my life. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I've had enough. Then I want you to get out of your seat. I want you to make your way to this altar. I want you to kneel before your heavenly father and say, God, I need you. God, I surrender to you. God, I worship you. You are worthy. Change me. Don't just move me. God, you are my substance. You are my sustainer. You are my supplier. You are my breath. Come on, let's just get out of our seat today let's move let's move thank you Jesus
in Jesus name addictions are going to break right now yes Jesus yes Jesus come on yes it is yes it is you are life Jesus Jesus, just speak it, it has power. family come on come on let's lift up his name lift it up someone still needs to move you're waiting stop waiting get out of your seat God is calling your name he says come meet with me come meet with me 
I want to touch you. I want to change you. Don't worry about the person in this room that's in here. Worry about you and God. Come on. Faith without works is dead. We gotta move. We gotta move. We gotta move. We gotta move. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Come on. Come on, let's lift our voice. Come on, sing it from the depths. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. right now that are kneeling before you you see those who are calling upon your name you see those who are feeling crushed in spirit those who are saying I God I've had enough I'm tired of doing this on my own I'm tired of shutting people out I'm tired of focusing on all the negative junk I'm tired of running and running and running I'm tired of forgetting that you've always been there I'm tired of forgetting Lord that you've been with me through thick and thin you've shown yourself already and if you did it before you're gonna do it again I pray, Lord, for every single person, Lord, right now under the sound of my voice. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we pray your healing in Jesus' name. We pray your provision in Jesus' name. We pray your favor in Jesus' name. We pray, Lord, that you would begin to stir something in our faith, something that we've never felt before, something that will give us a grit to say, I know in whom I believe. I don't know just what I believe, but I know in whom I believe. And my, his name is Jesus, the name that was given that is above every name, the name that is all-powerful, all-knowing, the most beautiful, wonderful, the name that has the power to heal, the name that has the power to save, his name that has the power to set free the name that has the power to break addictions and break chains and heal marriages and restore my life and bring healing and give us provision to wake away when there seems to be no other way god i trust in you i believe in you you are the everlasting you are the beginning and the end i trust you jesus god we once again place our life in your hand we're sorry when we got it wrong. We're sorry when we thought that we were just going to sing another song and not sing to you. We're sorry when we made life about us instead about your mission for our life. We're sorry when we, we felt like we got it all figured out and we were doing good and we thought it was by ourselves, but really, God, it was your hand. And we're sorry we forgot that you were always there. 
God, I thank you right now that your Holy Spirit is confronting and convicting in the name of Jesus. But with your conviction, God, there is no condemnation. There is restoration. And God, right now, I pray, Lord, that we are not just moved in this moment, that we don't just move with the wind and the earthquake and the fire, but God, that we would hear your whisper and we would be changed in the name of Jesus, that we would be changed in our ways, we would be changed in our thinking, we would be changed in our habits, we would be changed in our ways of doing. God, we thank you that you are Jehovah Shalom. You are the God of peace. Thank you that you are our healer. That you are our provider. It's all about you, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Let's just lift our hands. This is just an act of surrender. Maybe you've never done this. Maybe it's uncomfortable. Get out of the, out of your comfort zone for just a moment and just lift your hands to Jesus. Say, God, I surrender. I'm holding nothing back. I'm tired of hiding. I need you. receive what you've intended for us to receive today we open our hands we open our ears we open our hearts this life is yours we are not our own God we are your chosen generation we are a holy nation we are a royal priesthood we are chosen by you so God we open our hands to you we open our 
our lives to you. We open our hearts, speak, whisper, listen. you just say that in a whisper to say change me say it again to say change me we receive we believe we trust we hope in Jesus name we pray everyone said amen just to stand where you are. I want to say one more thing. Some of you are like, well, what happened to Elijah? It's great. He dealt with all that, but what happened? For those that don't know the end of Elijah's story, as you continue to read on through 2 Kings, you will see where Elijah has a protege, and his name is Elisha. He's walking along, and all of a sudden, chariot on fire with horses comes blazing through and sweeps Elijah from the earth and he ascends into heaven, the Bible says. What was crazy was the thing that Elijah feared the most was dying. That's why he ran. That's why he was terrified. And what's crazy to me is that his greatest fear, it never happened. Never happened. One of like three in scriptures that ascended without death. And I want to tell you, he was anxious for nothing. What he feared most never came to pass. Can I tell you today that most of what we worry about, it never happens. It never happens. And can I tell you, on the small occasion that it does happen, it's not as bad as you thought. And on the other small occasion, worst case, if it does and it was horrible and it's crazy and you don't know what to do, can I tell you, God's goodness and grace will carry you through it, that you are not alone. There's no storm that God won't bring you through. There's no obstacle that God won't help you overcome. There is no enemy that God won't defeat. There is no heartache that God cannot and will not heal. This is why Paul, who was chained to a Roman guard in prison, could say, not knowing his future, don't be anxious for anything, but in all things, worship God. Rejoice every moment. I want you to remember that God is your breath. God is Yahweh. God is your sustainer. I believe that if some of you were to sit down and that we were to have a conversation today, and I were to ask you the situation that you're facing, and I were to say, where is God in all of this? You would probably answer, I'm not sure kind of sort of believe in in God maybe, but the reality is maybe you don't know him personally, but you'd like to know him more personally. Every eye closed, every head bowed in this room, the most important part of this entire worship experience. 
I want to give those of you an opportunity today that maybe you don't know God personally or you did, walked away, you shut him out. You want to know God personally. I'm talking to those, I want to tell you that God sent his son for you to die on a cross, to be raised from the dead so you could have life and life to the full. He didn't send his son for you to live by law. He sent his son for you to live by grace. He fulfilled what we could not. He wants to make all things new. He came to forgive you and wash away your sin. He came and he designed you for a purpose and he loves you so much that he's not wanting to leave you where you are. And if you're here in this moment and you want to experience his grace, if you want to experience his salvation, if you want to experience his hope again, or maybe for the very first time, with every eye closed, every head bowed, nobody moving around, if that's you and you say, I want to know Jesus personally today, I'm going to count down from three. I just want you to lift your hand. Ready? Three, two, one. Just lift them up. Lift them up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I see you. I see you. I see you. Thank you, Jesus. Lift them high. I see you. Lift them high. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I see you all the way up there. I see you. I see you. Thank you, Jesus. Just lift it high. I want to know him personally. I want him to touch me. I want him to change me. I see you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I see you. Thank you, Jesus put your hands down. Let's pray this prayer together. It's a prayer of faith. The Bible says that if we call upon the name of the Lord, it says you shall be saved. The Bible also says in Romans 10, 9, that if I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord and that, Christ, that God raised Christ from the dead, it says you shall be saved. So we're going to pray a prayer today out of faith. And I want you to, to say it out loud where your ears can hear you. I want you to believe by faith today to see the goodness and faithfulness of God happen in your life. Let's pray. Father, I accept you today. I ask that you would wash me clean. Forgive me of my sin. Help me live a new life in you. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for me on that cross. And three days later, conquering death, hell, and the grave so I could live life to the full. I receive your salvation now. I walk in your grace. I walk in your purpose. And I walk as a new creation in Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said a big amen. Amen, amen. Come on, let's celebrate church.